Hi, I'm Dr. Amy Robbins, and welcome to Life, Death, and the Space Between podcast. I'm a clinical psychologist and medium, and on this podcast, we explore life, death, consciousness, and what it all means. So today I have Joe Higgins on the show, and this is our part four of our four-part little mini-series on signs. And Joe is an Amazon best-selling author, medium, spiritual teacher, and intuitive counselor. He has the ability to communicate with those who have passed on since an early age. Joe has completed and taught classes in mediumship and advanced mediumship, as well as becoming a certified Reiki master. He completed the Morris Pratt Institute training and residential course in pastoral skills in Lilydale, New York. He has also written four books on the topics. His first book, Hello, Anyone Home, a guide on how our deceased loved ones try to contact us through the use of signs. His second book, The Everything Guide to Evidence of the Afterlife, a scientific approach proving the existence of life after death. His third book is Always Connected for Veterans, Deceased Vets Give Guidance from the Other Side, and his latest book, I Got Your Message, Understanding Signs from Deceased Loved Ones. This book is part of the Always Connected series and is a follow-up to his first book, Hello, Anyone Home? Mr. Higgins clearly has become a leading authority on signs, and he's here on Life, Death, and the Space Between podcast to talk with us today. So welcome, Joe. Oh, thanks for having me on. Thank you for being here. So today's episode is titled The Science Behind the Signs or The Science of Signs. Can you take me through the process of how spirit gives us signs? And, and how this is orchestrated. Because I think that people can see signs and they say, oh, that's a sign. But what is really going on behind the scenes? Well, I think th- the first thing we have to understand is the whole process. And I think that's wh- where people want to get information on. I call it the evaluation process. As someone um, crosses over, and even sometimes before they cross over, if they're in a coma, or maybe late stages of uh, dementia or something like that. Or end stages of like a terminal illness. Correct. They they could be here and they can be at the the other side at the same time. So some people might get signs even before uh, the passing. Um, But what happens usually after someone passes is the loved one will coordinate with their guides and their helpers on the other side, and they'll decide if a sign will be given at all. That's the first thing. Then they'll decide where it's going to be, how it's going to be done, when it's going to be done, you know, all those basic uh, uh, questions. So that's the first thing. And there are many reasons for, for a different one of those. You know, some people might not be ready for a sign. So they might say, no, we're going to hold off on a sign because the person's too emotional. It might bring them more grief. The last thing they want to do is to upset the person or to bring um, more discomfort to them. Okay. So what if someone says, oh, but I've, I am ready for a sign. I want a sign. That's not for us to determine. They can determine it better than us because sometimes we'll say, oh, I want a sign or I believe in a sign, but subconsciously they know they're scared of a sign and, and they're, they're, they're very fragile mm-hmm. and they really want that sign and they, they think to themselves, oh, I can handle it. But the other side just knows more than we do. Okay. But at times like that, sometimes they'll come through our friends or relatives, if it happens to be around, let's say, the funeral service or right after the, um, 
the passing. So there are other ways to, there's other ways to get the signs through, okay. um, even if some people aren't ready for them. But with the evaluation process, what they do is they look at the person's life in relationship to the person that will be getting the sign. So let's say it's a husband or a wife or a father or a friend, and they will look through all the shared memories that the two of them have had. So I like the analogy. It's like going into a supermarket and instead of, and you're walking down the aisle and instead of looking at like Cheerios and your, you know, your tomato sauce and different things, what they're doing is they're looking up at someone's fifth birthday, a honeymoon, or perhaps uh, a new pair of uh, shoes that there was a joke about. Uh, and they'll be looking at different things like that and they'll be picking off certain things on the shelf to see if they can use them to get that sign across. Because especially in this day and age, we are so uh, overstimulated with, with, with the internet, with technology, everything. Um, and then pl plus our natural um, God is up about not believing about a lot of this stuff. Mm -hmm. So it's difficult sometimes for them to come through with that stuff. But if they can really nail something that the person's going to know right off the bat, then the chances are the person will get it, they'll accept it. And once they accept it, the chances of more signs increases. Okay. That's why a lot of times people, when they start to find coins, they'll always find coins because if they get it, the, the, the loved one on the other side gets it. It's like, all right, we got them. Let's not change it up on them. We'll stick kind of with the same stuff. Okay. That easier. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Because um, they know how fragile we are over here. Um, dealing with all sorts of uh, human experiences and our emotions. So they have to kind of go through all that junk. Mm -hmm. And um, they try to, they use the kiss thing, you know, keep it simple, stupid, you know, because <laughs> we have a tendency to mess up a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. So And so when you say they're looking, it's not looking with eyes like we look. I think people get kind of hung up on trying to understand spirit from the perspective of a being in a, in a human body, and it's at, it's at a vibrational, energetic level, right? Yeah, but That's they can... That's what you're talking about. Right, but they can also see. They, they have a sense, and they can see, okay? okay. So they can... Um, and one of the main things we talk about of why they come through and is to, to tell us that they're with us throughout our lives. Mm -hmm. So especially through difficult times, they're always around for joyous times. So they can experience, and, and they can see what's going on. So it's kind of, um, I was shown once how it works and it was very fascinating. They showed me three individuals in an office building and it was a doctor's building actually. And um, one was on the phone, one was doing some filing and another one um, was having a conversation with a coworker. And I could understand what all three of them were thinking at the same time and their relationship to each other because they all worked in a doctor's uh, professional office and what they were thinking about doing that weekend. So, cause I asked to be shown how this all works. Mm -hmm. So they have the capability to tap into multiple people at the same time at different levels. Gotcha. Okay. Right. But, um, so they can see and they feel, and just because we have our bodies, um, you know, they have, they have other, they have other ways. But they're not seeing with eyes. No, they don't need There's, to see with eyes. Right. Put it this way. When you, do you remember what you did for uh, Memorial Day weekend? Can mm -hmm. you see it? Mm -hmm. Okay. You're seeing it without your eyes. 
Yeah, I see me cleaning my garage. There you go. I still I see feel me, me cleaning my garage. I see me digging up my backyard. Right. I, something, I, don't, I don't have my eyes on it right now, but I can see it. Gotcha. Okay. Think of, think of people when you daydream. Mm-hmm. You're visualizing it. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the brain is just a mechanism they use to carry it. We use to carry out certain physical activities, but our consciousness will, will direct that. Gotcha. Okay, so there's the evaluation period. I'm, I know I have a lot of questions about this. That's okay. <laughs> so there's the evaluation period. Yeah. And then what? what so after they decide if a sign's going to be given, they're going to decide with a shared memory, what's the best way to do it? So let's say they decide that they want to do um, um, through music, a common song that someone shared. They're going to say, all right, we're going to do it with music. We're going to do it with sound. And we'll bring in this particular song that my loved one's going to know right off the bat. Mm-hmm. And they'll decide where and when. So that's going to depend on the person's emotional makeup, if they're going through a stressful period, if they're going to be around um, in an area where there's the technological availability for sound and music. Mm-hmm. Okay. A lot of us are in cars and we're driving. That's why uh, you know, a song might come on that reminds us of a loved one. That's a perfect example of how they would do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but they have other ways in case someone doesn't have access to a radio. You know, it could be at a parade and all of a sudden a song comes up that's a popular song. It could be anything. So then that's where they'll go, they'll go through the checklist, the, the when, the where's, and um, start to put the plan together. Gotcha. Okay. Step, is there a step three? No, it depends on us on this side because a lot of times what happens is uh, – it has to be very fluid because we can change things. So, so what if you don't see it? What if they present the sign and you miss it? You know, some people will say they never get signs from loved ones. Whereas when I've spoken with people, you know, you last week with Bill Phillips, they said our, our loved ones are always trying to give us signs. Yeah, I mean, if they try to give us a sign and we don't get it, they'll try again, you know, as long as the intent is there. And we had talked about uh, intention before that we're open to it. We're willing to accept it. Um, they'll continue to do it. But if they, the main, first thing is ask for a sign. That invites them in. That's mm-hmm. very strong. And if you do get a sign, thank them. It's just, you know, you want to thank your loved ones if they make you dinner. So you might as well thank them, you know, for giving you a sign. Mm-hmm. Very common courtesy. It, it, it creates a bond between our side and their side, a loving bond. And that strengthens the connection. Okay. Gotcha. If people just kind of blow people off, the connection is much weaker. Mm-hmm. And eventually, you know, it, it won't work. So thank them, ask for them. And most importantly, don't put any conditions on a sign. I've had people say, all right, I want a sign from mom, but mom, not next week because I'm going to Disneyland with the kids and I'm going to be busy and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, mm-hmm. really? You're putting a condition on <laughs> your loved one that's on the other side? Right. And, probably um, the same conditions they put on their loved one while they were here. Right? <laughs> right. And the mother's probably saying, wait a minute, this is going to be perfect to give you a sign. All right, fine. You don't want a sign next week? Guess what? You're going to wait. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. so don't put any conditions on it. That that's the main thing, and you know, that that helps the best. So, is there 
a science that explains how this works? I mean, I know I haven't really dug yet into quantum physics on the show, but I'm hoping to, to do it in the future. But how, do you, how does one explain how this goes down? Well, I think it's, you know, the best way to, to look at it is our consciousness. And with, you know, with like near-death studies, they're, they're doing a lot of stuff how our conscious, um, consciousness survives after death. You know, people see things in the operating room after they've been pronounced brain dead, um, just not, you know, their heart stop, but actually brain dead. So the studies are showing that our consciousness survives. So if our consciousness survives, we know that life continues at some point. And from all the signs that we've been getting, we know that that continues on for a long time because people have gotten signs for many, many years after someone passes. Mm -hmm. passed um, when I was 13 years old, but when he comes through, I smell cigars. So when I was writing my first book, he used to, I used to feel him in the room and I could smell these cigars and no one in the house smoked. You know, it was the middle of the winter, the windows were shut and, um, I actually got to the point where I was like, Dad, you got to pull back because you're choking me with these cigar smoke, you know? And he did. So, and at that point, he had already been passed for like 20, 35 years. Hmm. So his essence was still around and he was looking after his son. And, and so that was a, a, a symbol, a sign that the consciousness can last for a long time and not just briefly like you would see in a near-death experience. Mm-hmm. So, so it's the consciousness. And with consciousness it gets down to communication and what they, they communicate the simplest form is through visualization, through sounds, through our senses. Okay. Um, some people have a quote unquote sixth sense. We call it clear sentient mm-hmm. feeling that someone's around us. Mm-hmm. Most people will understand it. Like if you're sitting there and you feel like someone's staring at you mm-hmm. crowd and you turn around and it might be a friend, you know, sitting three rows behind you. That's just a form of, of clear sentient sixth sense. Mm-hmm. Some people have it much more acutely where they can actually feel the essence of their grandmother around them mm-hmm. without ne- necessarily a smell or a sound. What about like sometimes I've experienced like temperature changes? Yeah, that's a simple way for people. Some people will feel like a, a, a light breeze on their face. Mm-hmm. So that's another part of a touch of the sense of, of feeling a temperature change or a wind, a breeze of, uh, uh, across your face. Things like that that's going to get your attention. Now, the purest form of communication through consciousness is through our dreams. That's the easiest way. Because mm-hmm. when we're dreaming, hopefully we're not thinking about, you know, the traffic jam we were in that day or, you know, what's going to happen at work tomorrow. You know, hopefully we get into a nice sleep, sleep state. And they can come to us with visualizations, um, you know, communications, all sorts of things that, that we can't really screw up. So that's the easiest way to get through. And that's consciousness to consciousness. And you can, you can request all of these things, right? I can say, you know, could you possibly visit me in my dream or set the intention before I go to bed at night for that exactly. to happen? That's an excellent, excellent um, uh, comment because you're inviting them, number one, you're setting the intention and, and, then, and you're letting it go. And then you have to be patient. And then be patient, you know, because some people might not have, you know, uh, a communication for a long time, but then all of a sudden it might just pop up. Mm-hmm. Um, so can you talk a little about 
probability. We talked before I pushed play about, you know, how you use sort of use probability as a meter of the validity of signs. You know, some people say, oh, it's just a coincidence that, you know, that it happened. That song times. came on the radio, right. right? Right. Well, it gets to a certain point with certain signs that are repeated or they're witnessed by other people, either a shared sign or a group sign, that the probability just goes up through the roof where it gets to the point where it's, it's more logical that that sign did come from a loved one that has passed over than it was just a coincidence. What do you mean by a group sign? Well, there are shared signs that you would see between two people, like a husband and wife, or maybe just a couple or something like that. And then there are group signs. Group signs are where more than two people witness a sign, and they all agree that it was a sign, and, and they discuss it. An example of that just happened about four or five days ago. I was talking to a friend of mine. He was at his son's baseball game. And he's in the stands, and his wife's talking to uh, a friend of hers who's a recent widow. And all of a sudden, the scoreboard started blinking. I don't know what the score was, like 2 to 3 or something like that. And it started blinking, and it was 11 to 11, and it was the first inning, blinking, even though it was like the fourth inning. So you mm -hmm. saw 11, 11, and the ones. So you saw these sequential numbers that a lot of people associate with signs. Mm hmm so he's like, oh, my God, look at the scoreboard. So they looked at the scoreboard, and he heard people behind them talking about the numbers and how it relates to their grandmother. And then this lady who was talking to her his wife said, oh, I wonder if that is my husband, a sign for my husband. So all of a sudden, all these people started talking about the possibility that these numbers might have been a connection to their loved one. So... If I love that this is happening at a Little League baseball game because it only took me about 15 years to come out of the closet and talk about this stuff. Right. And the fact that it's, it's, it's becoming more um, common, you know, I think people say it, but they don't necessarily understand what that all means, right? They're like, that, oh, it's fine. That's the main thing with the group signs because you can do a group sign with people that are not necessarily believers or are on the fence but if they see others around them saying that this is a sign, it, it, it um, magnifies the sign. It gives it like a juice of energy so that I can contact other people that might not believe it. And they, they might start to think, well, wait a minute. All these other people believe that maybe there is something to it. it, it so it kind of lowers the doubt with some people mm -hmm. by, having, by sharing it. Because then they can say, oh, wait a minute, maybe it was just my imagination. Well, all these other people saw it too. Right. So they have to take that excuse and throw that out the window. So that's one of the reasons why they do the group signs. Is that becoming more common? You know, I've talked to the, have my own philosophies about kind of where we are in terms of raising consciousness. And would that be a way for our guides, loved ones, spirits, angels to raise kind of a collective consciousness around these issues? Yeah, because a lot of us need support. You know, 40, 50 years ago, people really didn't talk about this stuff unless it was late at night and they were drinking or something like that. But otherwise, everyone kept it to themselves. Mm -hmm. But over the last 20 years, between the TV shows and, you know, the internet and all the publicity, more people are sharing their stories. That happened to our, our parents and grandparents. It's just that they kept it to themselves. Mm -hmm. So when you see these group signs, people are more at ease about, um, telling their experiences. So spirit realizes that and they can, um, 
they can get to more people. Mm. Other times, it's used to just reinforce a particular group. I was given a presentation in Boston back in, I think it was February. And I was asked if, some people, if anybody couldn't figure out where you were from, right? Yeah, I know. Huh? <laughs> you know it's like I wear it on my forehead, but I, I gave up trying to fix it. So, um, it's great. I love the accent. I was, uh, when I, I asked people to share some of their signs, and a lady stood up and she told me this story, and it's perfect for a group sign. And it just, the whole room, the whole ballroom just went silent. She was a stewardess. I think for American Airlines, and she had been a stewardess for like 25 years or something like that. And she was in Pennsylvania for a memorial for the 9-11 tragedy where Flight 93 went down in Pennsylvania. And it was a memorial service for all the airline uh, employees Mm -hmm. that had worked with all these stewards and stewardesses on all the planes that went down, Mm -hmm. not just American Airlines. So... um, she currently does, I think, um, Boston is a London or Boston. She lives in France or something. So she was over for it. And they had, so these were all colleagues that were celebrating, you know, uh, the lives of these, these, um, these coworkers. And they had put out, I think it was, I'm not sure the number, 21, 24, something, whatever, um, uniforms out with their name pins on them. Mm. Okay. And then they, then they released a bunch of doves. And then they played music, and of course they, you know, uh, they talked about each one of them, and they gave they had a service and stuff. And she said, when they were done and they were getting ready to leave, someone turned and they said, "Oh my God, look!" And people turned around, and the doves had returned, and one landed on each one of the uniforms. No way! And goosebumps. I've got goosebumps too. And when she told that, there were like 200 people. Well, we were all silent and she was in tears. So I talked to her afterwards and I asked her if I could tell the story. And she said, yes. And I said, that's incredible. And she said, it just brought out such a loving bond to all of us that we already had, but it just totally solidified it. Knowing that our coworkers and our loved ones are still around and they wanted to let us know that they were here with us. So that's another example of a group sign for a specific group. Mm. And you might see something like that with civic organizations or certain fraternal organizations. They'll have signs just for that group because it bonds that group. That's pretty powerful. So how long after someone passes does it typically take to get a sign? Well, like we mentioned before, you can actually get a sign before someone passes. You can get it the day of, and then you can get it years from them. It depends. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead, and then I'll ask my question. Right. Um, It it depends on the individual. Um, When my aunt had passed, I had gotten some signs uh, about two or three weeks before she passed. So as she was kind of transitioning out of her body. At that point, we didn't know she had terminal cancer. We thought that she was, um, you know, we know that she was in her late 80s. She was still with it, but we didn't know that she was um, that close to passing. But we started getting some signs. And um, so we thought, well, maybe, you know, she's elderly. Maybe it'd be a year or so. And then she passed like three weeks later. We found out like a week, a week after that she had metastasized cancer. And then within two weeks she had passed. So you can. 
you can get it you can get it before you can get it if people have a terminal illness like that or if people are in comas um, because what happens is their consciousness starts to leave their body before the body actually dies mm-hmm. and once that consciousness is separate they can try to communicate that they're okay and they've started to make that transition Okay. So there is no period, because I've heard this too, that there's sometimes a period where the soul or the consciousness spirit won't communicate because they have to sort of separate completely from this realm and maybe they have their own healing to do or they have to go through their life review or meet with their guides on the other side and that you might not get a sign for a while, but there's no, there's no hard and fast rule. That's correct. It depends on the individual. Um, some might have to do the full transition and, and then some might have to go through that uh, evaluation period to pick out certain things. And some people just don't play by the rules. I mean, sometimes, I'm such a rule follower. I, I'm, know, like, I'm like, I need to understand what the rules exactly are here. <laughs> well, one of the rules, like the evaluation process. So they, they have certain rules so they don't bring discomfort to people. Some people say, nah, I got this, I got this communication down, no problem. And they, they send these signs that kind of overwhelm people and they make them distraught mm-hmm. okay? because they broke kind of like the rule because they were just anxious to say hi to their loved one. But in the meantime, they just like bowled them over, you know? So mm-hmm. that's why they have these technical rules. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but people in comas and things like that, they're, they're in and out. They're here and they're there. So once their consciousness is actually, you know, separated from the body, they can, they can communicate. But it doesn't have to be completely separate because your aunt's obviously wasn't, right? But you were getting signs. You know, I had gotten uh, actually a communication with a lady. I was uh, performing some Reiki on a lady in a hospice situation. And um, she was terminal. She only had a a few days to live. And I did it with a couple other people. And since I'm a medium and I'm a researcher and I'm very curious, I opened up just to see, like, if any loved ones were around, you know? What I didn't expect was she was there, and she was about two and a half feet off of, over the bed, and she kept on saying to me, that's not me. This is me. That's not me. I'm here. This is me. And I said to her, I know I can see you. And she was kind of like, oh, wow, you can, you can hear me and see me. And I'm like, yeah. And I saw what she looked like, and she looked like this, this very attractive mid to late 30s lady with dark, dark hair. And then when we were done, um, I talked to the other people that were there, and I told them what happened. And I said, I saw this woman come here, and, and, and this is what she, she looked like and stuff. And the lady in the bed looked like she was in her 60s, and she was bald, um, you know, from all the you know, treatments she's had. I think she had brain cancer. Um, and one of the ladies that was there, she said, oh, that's Mary. That's who there is. And she actually pulled out a picture, and it had, like, eight people in it, like a girl's reunion, you know, a girl's weekend or something like that. And she showed it to me and I picked it out right away. I said, that's the lady I saw. She goes, that's Mary. That mm-hmm. was there. So that was, that confirmed to me that the consciousness left the body. She was, the body was still alive. Consciousness left it, was communicating with me and she would have been able to send signs um, if she wanted to, to connect with other people and they were open to them. Because a lot of times people are like, oh, no, they're not dead yet. They can't give me a sign. So they might shut that down. You know? mm-hmm. Real quick, not that this has anything to do with signs, but why did she show you her 30-year-old version of herself? 
Because what we see is when people cross over, they want to be, uh, they present themselves at their happiest, their best, you know, they're buffed out, you know, they're not going to show you in a wheelchair when they're 75, because that's not really them. And as we get older, we know that, you know, so-and-so might be 75, but inside she feels like, hey, I still feel like I'm on my 40s. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Or if you're 55 or 60, you still think you're in your 30s, you know? Mm-hmm. Until all you start aching from all the work you're doing. But, but, <laughs> but mentally, you're still thinking like, I'm still thinking like a kid. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. So they show themselves at a younger, more healthy stage. And I think they do that too, to show us that the disease is not carried over. Mm-hmm into the other state. Mm-hmm. It's just the body. It's not necessary. Mm-hmm. What, are there any other rules I'm missing here? I, I think the main thing is when we talk about rules, and I, I'm sure you know, there are certain rules probably for everything, but it comes down to intention. The intention is they want to let us know that they've made it to the other side and life continues. Mm-hmm. They don't want to bring us any harm. They don't want to um, increase our, our grieving process or make us uncomfortable. So they try to follow those rules. Mm-hmm. Are they fast and hard rules? No. But they're guide, more like guidelines. Mm-hmm. They, you know, they kind of know what's best because, like I said earlier, as human beings, we're a little bit fragile uh, mentally and emotionally at times, mm-hmm. especially with a loved one crossing. So they respect that. Okay, so those are the some of the things they will stick to, um, and because they really don't want to go off in the wrong direction, because that's the last thing they want to do is to bring us harm. Mm-hmm. And one last question before we wrap up: Is there anything that has to do? You know, I, I know that when people are grieving, they're very, very much in their physical body, right? Like you're, there's probably, I mean, you're, you're just heavier in that space. It's a density that blocks things. That's, that was my curiosity is because I've, I've heard repeatedly, I've talked about it on the show, that meditation is something that can raise your own vibrational yep. state to be able to, easy, to, to more easily connect because you have to raise your vibration and they have to lower theirs a little bit right. to find that 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 veil, right? That, 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 that crossing balance, yeah, over that, point. That connection. That's right. right. So th- the best thing is to do meditation. Or if some people say, I can't meditate, you can do what I call active meditation, gardening. Some people, anything that, that brings you into an altered state while you're doing it. You know, some people, I used to paint. When I was painting, I'd listen to the ball game. And it'd be like the third inning. The next thing I know, it'd be like the eighth inning because time just kind of flew because I got so involved in this painting. Mm-hmm. So what it does, it relaxed me, and, it, and that type of state opens up much easier for people to make that connection. That's why listening to nice music, mm-hmm. being out in nature and walking, it kind of just gets rid of all that junk we build up from our daily lives. Mm-hmm. So it makes it easier for them to come through. Now, when I do my mediumship, people say, well, how does that work? I say, it's like having a daydream. So like you're still here, but your consciousness kind of like drifted off, but you can still, you still sense what's around in the room or wherever you are, but you're kind of daydreaming. Mm-hmm. And that's, if you can get into that state where you're kind of like daydreaming and you're not really thinking about anything, but you might be cooking or puttering around or listening to music, that's a great way to, uh, to allow them to come through. 
It, mm-hmm. it makes your vibration higher and it makes it easier for them to connect with us. If we're having a stressful day and, you know, we're crazy, we're emotional, all sorts of stuff, they can still get through, but it's just harder. Mm-hmm. And it's probably harder for us to see it too because we're not in a conscious state of mind. We're not as conscious or right. we're probably not very conscious at all. Right, right. Life. Because, you, have, you know, I, I keep saying it, but we, we put all this junk on us when we're working and in our daily lives and stuff, and that's not really who we are. You know, when it comes down to brass mm-hmm. tacks, as they say, our consciousness and our loving connection, that's truly the only thing that's important. Mm-hmm. The fact that you got four soccer games next week and you're going to go on vacation, you're going to do this and you're going to do that, and the holidays are coming up, it's not important. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. that loving connection. Right. Right, that we're always seeking, I think. Yeah, so it's kind of like just bring it down to the old-fashioned ways and just kind of, uh, as they say, chill out. So mm-hmm. you can do that, find a way, whatever works best for you, and that'll be the uh, that'll go a long way. Well, there's someone in Chicago that has a license plate, and I've seen it more than one time. So I don't, I'm not sure that I consider it a sign because I'm pretty sure they live in my neighborhood. But it says chillax. <laughs> Exactly. And it's sort of always, I get a lot of signs through license plates. Um, and that when that pops in front of me, even if it's in my neighborhood, I always take it as like a little reminder. Yeah. And it's probably, you know, you probably need it. And if you need it, then you, have, you can accept it as a sign. Right. Right. Because it doesn't have to be connected to necessarily a loved one. It could be your guide sending you a sign. Like a lot of people might get the certain sign, like if they're speeding or they're out of control and they're emotional, they might get a sign, something, something that tells them slow down. And then they slow down and a mile down the road, they see that there was an accident, you know. So our guides can also intervene and give us signs mm-hmm. to help guide us in our lives, bring us back on track. Yeah, and I use that a lot too. Like if I'm if a car pulls out in front of me or I'm running late or, you know, I get stuck at a stoplight rather than being frustrated. I always think maybe there's something bigger. Absolutely. Putting this in place to keep me out of trouble might just be a justification or rationalization, but I I don't think so. I think, I think, and, and then it shifts the whole way you, you exist in the world. That's right. All of a sudden you realize, you know something, maybe this was supposed to happen and I wasn't supposed to be in this particular place at this particular time. And so instead of being stressed out that you're late or, you know, you can just calm down and say, all right, you know, I'm just going to let it go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, if, if my guests want to find you, where can they find you? What do you offer? Because you offer a lot of, of juicy stuff. <laughs> well, um, I'm working actually on my fifth book, and I'm always collecting signed stories from people. Um, so that's always always great because like I said earlier, it's very important to share science with people so that they feel comfortable that um, whatever they're trying to discover about themselves and trying to figure out about the afterlife, that they know other people are having these experiences. I think there have been different studies that between 40 and 60 or 70 million Americans have had some type of uh, afterlife communication. So we want to be able to share that with other people and let them know that you know, don't worry, you're not going crazy. But know? we'll all pretend that there's no such thing, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly, until it hits us in the face when we get one of those wow signs. Right. So right. they can go to joehiggins.com, keep it simple. Okay. And, uh, they can find my stuff on there, and uh, we can connect. They want to send me an email, that's great, and uh, we can go from there. Great, and all, the, all of your contact information will also be available in my show notes as well. So. Awesome. 
Thank you so much for your time today, Joe. It was very informative. And My pleasure. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. All right. Have a great day. You too. Thanks. Like what you heard today and want to hear more? Curious about what comes next and what it all means? You can subscribe on iTunes. Just go to podcasts and find life, death, and the space between and hit subscribe. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Dr. Amy Robbins. Ask me any questions you might have. Let me know what else you'd love to hear about or just share your story. I can't wait to hear from you.